Happy Tuesday, everyone. This is your host, Brandy Williamson. I'm a believer, mother, and birth and postpartum performance coach. This podcast is all about equipping mothers with the actionable sport and performance psychology techniques and inspirational advice with a faith-based perspective to help you excel in the journey of motherhood, all while deepening your faith in Jesus. I've heard sleep described as the ultimate performance enhancement. It's one of the few things people across the world share in common every 24-hour period. Not only is this a cross-cultural necessity, but according to John Hopkins Medicine, we will spend one-fourth to one-third of our total human lifespan sleeping. Sleep gives us rest. It helps us integrate stimuli from our day into meaningful and memorable information, building our mental capacities. Sleep boosts our immunity, impacts our metabolism, And without it, mental and physical health risks like depression and high blood pressure can occur. An online article titled Brain Basics, Understanding Sleep from the National Institute of Neurological Disorders and Strokes say, It's not just about sleeping, but getting quality sleep is as essential to human survival as is food and water. Many mothers I know are struggling to get any sleep, forget quality of sleep, thinking it will just be a little while longer until their baby sleeps through the night, but then they look up and somehow it's been a year and a half and they're still in the same spot, exhausted, worn out, and defeated. Recently, I hit a breaking point that I couldn't go on waking up every single night, multiple times during the night to nurse, soothe, and rock my seven-month-old baby back to sleep. It was impairing my attitude during the day, my time with God in the mornings, and the quality of life with my husband in the evenings. If you find yourself resonating with any of this, my prayer and desire is that my own failures and lessons learned will give you the encouragement and support to get the sleep you need in order to be more of a blessing to your family and to the people God has put in your life. Welcome back to Mom Material. Breaking points are good because they drive you to do something different, to try something else out. Like many of you, I hate hearing my baby cry. I want to do anything humanly possible to comfort and console him. I never want to unnecessarily cause him any pain. I want him to know he's so loved and cared for. As a first-time mom, you're figuring it all out as you go with that innate nurturing sense always tucked in the back of your mind, which was why I delayed sleep training our son. I was so worried that he might need our help or be hurt or be teething or sick or something was going on that I insisted we wake up and assure him. We gave him pacifiers, swaddled him, rocked him. I nursed him when he would wake up thinking he might be hungry. I was hopeful for that three-month mark because that's when a bunch of my friends' babies began sleeping through the night. They reminded me, oh, just wait, it'll get better. Better never came. There was no magical age that suddenly came upon us and smoothed everything out, even after seven months. As I began getting more secure in my role as a mother, believing God has blessed me with Isaac to make the best decisions for him and our family, I decided to research sleep training methods for infants. 
I realized he had the capacity to sleep through the night and I was inadvertently making it an uphill challenge for myself and him because of our changing daytime routine, inconsistent bedtime, and negative reliance on sleep props. I love what Dr. Richard Ferber, a pediatric physician and director of the Center for Pediatric Sleep Disorders says in his book, Solve Your Child's Sleep Problems. He states, whether or not you mind having your sleep disrupted, you should still be aware that it's in your child's best interest to sleep through the night without any interruptions. He goes on to say most full-term three-month-olds should be able to sleep through most of the night. That's five to nine hours. And by five or six months, your infant should be settled, meaning they can sleep through the night with no need to nurse. In order to sleep well at night, you first have to look at what you're doing during the day. Analyze what your daily routines look like. Is your child not getting enough naps or sleeping too long during the day? Does their environment change often? Being a military spouse, you move and you move a lot. At first, I felt I needed to be uber flexible with traveling and moving and settling down in a new area. Sometimes environments are out of your control, but you can regain structure by following a routine, which is something I wish we did way sooner. It's so easy to throw structure out the window when you're worn down from moving and exhausted from waking up in the middle of the night multiple nights and times with your baby that you're tempted to let them sleep in or past the two hour mark for their naps so you can actually find time to get organized, unpack, and sleep. I'm telling you from my own cyclical hamster wheel of sleep deprivation, do the hard thing, stick to the schedule because it will benefit you and your baby in the long run. Now that we've become more aware of how we're structuring our day, let's look at what we do during the night. A consistent bedtime and bedtime routine is everything. Do you have consistency when it comes to laying your baby down for bed, or does it look different most nights? What about the order in which you do things right before they go to bed? The steadiness of these two things will help your baby prepare for sleep. Justin and I got serious about Isaac's bedtime and bedtime routine. So now, 30 minutes out of Isaac's bedtime, Justin and I know he'll get a bath, fresh clothes, a new diaper, then we'll bring him into his room, put his sleep sack on, which is basically like a wearable blanket, read to him and pray with him before placing him in his crib and leaving the room. Routines free up mental energy and better allow you to allocate that resource elsewhere. They give spouses something to work at together and create an easy system for any grandparents or babysitters that they can follow if you're ever away. Create a sequence of natural rhythms your family is probably already doing and do them each and every night. And then you've got your bedtime routine. Associations are powerful because they can turn into habits. You can have productive ones or unproductive habits. As you're thinking about cueing your baby to prepare for sleep, there are a couple things to keep in mind. First, as tempting as it sounds, don't allow your baby to fall asleep in your arms. It's best to put them asleep drowsy but awake. I mean, just think about how unsettling it would be to have fallen asleep in a nice, warm, cozy spot just to wake up in the middle of the night somewhere else in your house. I mean, that would totally freak me out, and I'd actually kind of be scared. 
Second, keep in mind you're building positive sleep associations with their crib and room. It's best to do those bedtime routines, obviously outside of their bath, in their bedroom, so they know where they are and grow accustomed to that space with and without you there. If mom material is adding value to your life, click the plus sign in the top right corner of your iPhone to follow the show. This boosts our visibility on listening platforms so other people can find us easier and share in that experience. All right, let's talk about sleep props because they often come next in the bedtime progression and might actually be the cause of your problems. These are items or assistances that help your child soothe himself and aid him in falling asleep. Think blankets, toys, stuffed animals, pacifiers, nursing, rocking, sounds. Any of these types of things, emotional or physical, would be considered a sleep prop. If I could do everything all over again and for our next child, I will definitely do this. I would never have given our son a pacifier. At first, it's really cute and convenient to have a pacifier because your baby is generally quiet and they're easily soothed in and out of the house so that makes buying groceries a much more pleasurable experience or working out because they can soothe themselves if they get uncomfortable. They look adorable and have cute little nicknames like Passy, Nookie, Fufu. After watching The Lord of the Rings, Justin and I jokingly started calling it the precious... It was funny because it was true. Isaac valued his pacifier so much that he couldn't go to sleep without it. And that included his naps as well. What I realized as I was preparing to start our journey of sleep training, that I had used these things as crutches because seven months later, he didn't have the ability to soothe himself without them. For us, what happened when we put him down for bed with his pacifier, he'd fall asleep right away. However, the pacifier would fall out throughout the night and during his sleep cycles, he would wake up and realize it wasn't there. He started to cry and so we'd walk over to his room all sleepily, fumble around in the dark trying to find this pacifier that always somehow landed in the most random and hard to reach places, rock him back to sleep, tiptoe back to bed, lay in bed, just to hear him scream even louder because now that he's awake he wants to be nursed because he's grown accustomed to those feedings every time he woke up and so now it's a habit that he expects to happen you do this a couple times during the night for one day you're okay you're pretty tired you do this for a week you are not functioning very well now imagine doing this every single night for almost a year Maybe you don't have to imagine because that's you every night. Or perhaps you think I'm crazy for waiting this long to fix it. But I want you to know however old your infant is, you can change your baby's habits. It's never too late. When it comes to night wakings, Dr. Ferber mentions in his book that your baby or child should not have any jobs to do, sucking, checking, eating, listening, demanding before falling asleep. All they need to do is to find a comfortable position and continue quickly into the next sleep cycle. I'm an all-in kind of gal, and I decided right then and there that we had to get rid of all of Isaac's pacifiers, and I would stop nursing him to sleep when he'd wake up during the night. Think over what sleep props might actually be hindering your baby's ability to fall asleep and stay asleep. 
you might have to experiment around if you don't know, which is why it's important to have a sleep tracker. You can note when your infant is waking, when they're sleeping, and the quality of sleep that they're getting each night, which can help you find solutions to what needs to be adjusted or even kept in place. Now that your baby is asleep, let's talk about the actual sleep training model of dealing with these night wakings. There are a spectrum of methods you can use. I'm sure you've probably heard of one of the most popular ones, the campout method, or another one of the most popular ones, the cryout method, or the one that we're going to be using today, the Ferber method. For me, the campout thing didn't work very well because I ended up falling asleep in our baby's room or sitting in the same room with my crying baby when I knew what I needed to do to make him fall asleep, aka nursing him and then rocking him to sleep. That was all too much of a temptation for me, so it didn't work. The cried out method never really stuck because we would do it and build up to this point with all of this crying and all of this sleep loss and it just came crumbling down when we'd give in and go in there. So we ended up trying the Ferber method from Dr. Richard Ferber's book, Solve Your Child's Sleep Problems, which I highly recommend to everyone who needs help getting their baby to fall asleep in the night. This method instructs parents to progressively wait at each waking of their baby in the night before going into their room to soothe them. Additionally, each time your child wakes up, you increase the interval of time before you go and assure him. Dr. Ferber has suggested times for progressive waiting for each day over the course of one week, but you can start smaller just as long as each interval gets longer. Let me give you an example. Day one of the Ferber method directs you to wait three minutes for the first wake. After the three minutes are up, you go to your child and assure him. For us, we said, shh, or it's all right, for no longer than a minute, and then we went back to bed. For the second waking, we waited five minutes before going in, assured him, and then went back to bed. The third waking, we waited 10 minutes, went to his room, assured him, went back to bed. Each subsequent wake, we waited 10 minutes before going to assure him. It's important to know you don't want to become a sleep prop. Dr. Ferber suggests not picking your baby up or rocking him when you go to assure him. And you're only staying in there for very, very small amounts of time. We're talking like 30 seconds to one minute max. This is also something to talk about with your spouse who's going to assure and when. Dr. Ferber suggests that both parents take turns assuring the baby during the night as to not inadvertently create a sleep association with just one of the parents. Just like potty training, it's best to carve out a longer weekend or holiday block leave so both of you can get rest and stay motivated without some serious obligations the next day. For us, the first night was the hardest by far. Isaac had no pacifier, so falling asleep was challenging. And when he did awake, expecting to be nurse, he struggled to fall back asleep. Jess and I stuck to our plan, switching turns at every waking. The first night, he probably woke three to four times. The second night also took him a little while to fall asleep, but he only had two wakings. 
the third night was like the light at the end of the tunnel or like you seeing the finish line in a marathon he fell asleep within five minutes when we laid him down for bed and we didn't wake up until our alarm went off like i can't even tell you guys i could probably count on my hand how many times that has happened since isaac's been born so this is like a monumental moment for us on the fourth day he was falling asleep as soon as we put him in his crib for bedtime and naps during the day without waking or if he did wake up he was able to quickly soothe himself back to sleep without us i mapped out this whole sleep chart and tracker and we only needed it for four nights i want to give you all these resources for free because i want you to feel rested and rejuvenated so you can spend more time with god and be able to better show up for your family each and every day so if you're interested in any of these resources, I'll try to put them on my website, matrescensbirth.com, under the mom material tab so you can easily download them. Or if you can't download them, email me at matrescensbirth at gmail.com and I will send those to you. I don't want you to think I am special in any way or have some type of super baby. I'm just like you. I'm learning, growing, and trying just to be better for tomorrow. I know you can get sleep, I believe in you, and I am rooting for you and your family.